Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Attention Talk Radio is brought to you by children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Welcome to Attention Talk Radio, your ADHD information station where we help those with ADHD pay attention to attention. With your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Topper. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Attention Talk Radio. I'm your host, ADHD and attention coach, Jeff Copper. Our topic tonight, ADHD 101, understanding ADHD and getting help. Uh, We're going to get to the content in a moment. Before we do, we'd like to thank children and adults with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder for bringing this program to you. In celebration of that event, we're anxious to give away free digital copies of Attention Magazine. To get yours, just listen to our show. We'll be sharing a secret word a couple times. Write it down. Listen to another show um, and write down the secret word of that show and then just email me the two words. That's all you need to do. Email address is attention at attentiontalkradio.com. When we get it, we'll forward it to Chad. We'll get you a PDF copy of the current edition of Attention Magazine and they'll send you a PDF copy of the next edition when it's in print. We have a little tip that we're going to share with you that Chad made and we'll get into the show. You've heard it from organization experts and others. If you want to get things done, you need to keep to-do lists. If all the things you need or want to accomplish keep you up at night, you might think about spending five or ten minutes before bed writing down your list for the following day. Some people prefer to start their day by creating a list. Choose whichever works best for you. To learn more about time management and ADHD, visit chad.org. Thank you so much, Chad, for your continued support. For those that are not aware, Chad is the largest not-for-profit organization that advocates on behalf of those with ADHD. We encourage all of our listeners to either donate or become members to support Chad. Financial stability is really important for them to have the resources to have people lobbying uh, on Capitol Hill for the ADHD community and working with different regulatory agencies on wording to make sure that uh, those with ADHD get the accommodations that they need in order to thrive. Again, for more information, to donate or to uh, become a member, go to chadd.org. Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Being an ADHD coach and the host of Attention Talk Radio for the better part of 14 years, I've had the pleasure and experience of just coaching people, but also getting to know mental health professionals and coaching some of the foremost experts in the world. And one of the things I wanted to do is kind of have a show to share contextually a lot of what I've learned over the years um, in a relatively short format to give people an overview of at least my perspective on some things, share with them some of the things that uh, they may not know. Um, and also talk about some realities, not to say that this is simple, but not to act like this is all going to be all a piece of cake. Um, if you're regularly listening to the show, you know I say this a lot. My mom taught me years ago, if something's difficult, acknowledge it's difficult. If you say it's easy and you're not doing it, then you're not giving it the respect that it deserves. So today I wanted to begin by understanding ADHD. The world makes observation based off of our senses. So can we touch it? Can we smell it? Can we see it? Can we taste it? Can we hear it? And aided by some type of technology. So if your senses can't detect something, like maybe the stars in the sky, you'd use a telescope to aid you or a stethoscope that a doctor would use to listen to your heart, a microscope, things like a um, 
regression analysis or mathematics. There are lenses or technologies of sorts that enable us to see things that our senses can't detect. And because of that, it's human nature to judge very quickly based off of visible behavior. ADHD is like one of those names where a lot of people look at it and they acknowledge it's a focus problem. It, it is, but it kind of isn't. And I'll, I'm going to come back to that in a second. But we have a tendency to jump to conclusions based off of what we see. And over the years, really around 2020, 10, 2012, we started looking at things differently and looking at ADHD as an executive functioning impairment. I don't really want to spend a lot of time on the history of some of that, but they began to realize that it wasn't just this systematic thing. It's an executive function impairment. Some people have tried to define executive functions. There's different models out there. I'm very partial to Dr. Barkley's model. The reason I like his is it takes emotions as its own executive function where it gets commingled with a lot of the other ones. The word executive function is used a lot out there, but I'm not so sure people really understand it. What it is, it's a collection of mind tools that you use to problem solve. Producing a plan or managing time and solving problems, those executive functions are the things that you do to get to that. A lot of people look at ADHD as a behavioral problem. And they treat it by trying to change behavior. Now, this is my perspective. There's a lot of people out there that will disagree, and that's fine. But I look out there and, and take a look and say, if the obvious answer isn't working, chances are you're paying attention to the wrong thing. And there's a lot of behavioral treatment that's taking place, and it's just not working. A lot of people argue you can, you can train a dog. Um, if you're consistent with it and their behavior will comply. And, and I, I agree with that. You can train some, some behavior and behavior is changeable. However, my personal feeling is that an impairment needs accommodations. My eyesight is impaired. I use glasses as an accommodation that I can read and achieve my potential. Now, behavior is actually impacted by impairments. So as I said earlier, my opinion, this is the world according to me, and you'll go some other places, but I'm just kind of sharing this because I thought it was revolutionary when, when, it got to, when it got to this, is that behavior is changeable. Impairments need accommodations. Impairments impact behavior. If you have an impairment and you're not accommodating for it and you're trying to change that behavior, you're going to have limited success unless you accommodate that particular impairment. I think this is important out there because in the world, there's a lot of conditioning of teaching people skills to basically do this, get your brain to conform to the certain type of thing for you to achieve uh, an outcome, to make a plan. My personal feeling is it's a little bit better to focus on the impairment and provide the accommodation to get there. It's a whole can of wax. So that's a bunch of other shows related to what that is an impairment, but this is more of an overview show. Because ADHD is an executive function impairment, one of the executive functions is self-regulation. And uh, there's two things that you need to regulate. One, attention, and the other is emotions. Visibly, what we see for most people with ADHD is a focus problem. Like they're not paying attention to what you want them to pay attention to. But it's very much a challenge of also emotional self-regulation, right? When emotion is dysregulated, attention is dysregulated. And often 
There's people that are on the cutting edge of stuff. They're there looking to manage emotions, not just the attention, or they're trying to manage the emotions, help with an accommodation on that in order to downregulate emotions for them to, to manage attention. Again, lots of details here for kind of another show. So I want to kind of get into diagnosing because there's a little bit of a confusing out there. The Diagnostic Statistics Manual is a manual that's officially supposed to be used for the diagnosing of different disorders. The DSM-4 brought a lot of confusion for ADHD because they broke ADHD out into three types. There's hyperactive and attentive, and there's combined. We all know ADHD, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. What's commonly referred as Attention Deficit Disorder is basically inattentive. And so ADHD is the hyperactive, and the ADD is inattentive. The DSM came out after that, and we went back to basically one version of ADD, ADHD. I like to use the words interchangeably. I prefer ADHD when you're Googling because anything that's got ADD is going to show up, and so it's a little bit easier to get to the heart of the matter. Another thing that's important with regard to diagnostic criteria is emotions, as I said a second ago, are a huge problem with people with ADHD. Right. However, believe it or not, they're not in the diagnostic criteria. They were at one time. They were taken out, I know, 1968 or 1970. Um, I'm talking to Dr. Barkley on some interviews. As I understand, we're not sure why other than couldn't measure emotions. And if you can't measure it, we're going to act like it doesn't exist. But definitely is a big deal um, as we see it now. And I would surmise it will come back with DSM-6 comes out. Another thing I wanted to talk about was ADHD is individual as the person, but it actually can manifest a little bit differently in men and women. There's differences. Often women, again, this is a generalization, so there's, there's exceptions to this all over the place. But as a general rule, women tend to internalize ADHD. By the way, hyperactivity is where they're, like, you're bouncing, you've got all this energy, inattentive, doesn't present that way. It's really more of a, somebody who's daydreaming. They're typically not a disruption, but they're underperforming. Women, because they internalize ADHD a bit, are often misdiagnosed at first with depression, or they're diagnosed with inattentive ADHD. There's another condition out there that's, that's not in a diagnostic criteria. I think there's a new name for it, but it's sluggish cognitive tempo. Um, it's hypothesized that uh, like half of the people diagnosed with inattentive type is actually this other condition or a combination of the two. But needless to say, it manifests different in women. They're often diagnosed with depression and then later find out they're ADHD. Also, hormones can have an impact on ADHD, and it's not uncommon for women to start to reach the early 40s, particularly ones that are high-functioning. One of the things about it is, is when you start to hit 40, your working memory starts to deteriorate. Well, working memory is an executive function. If you've got ADHD, it's already impaired. So what you have is starting to get more impaired. And then uh, estrogen levels, when you hit premenopause, begin to drop, which has an impact on your focus as, as those hormones get right. So it's like this trifecta. You've got ADHD, your executive function are becoming more taxed with age, and then your loss of uh, estrogen creates a little bit of a problem, and it can be pretty traumatic. In fact, there's a lot of women that get diagnosed later in life when that happens. As an aside, I also want to mention is that there are a lot of people out there that are athletes, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with regard to that. You can 
Google Attention Talk Radio and Sports or look up Dr. John Rady's book, Spark. But uh, there's a lot of people that have ADHD that are able to self-medicate to a degree via exercise. I think John Rady said if we could put exercise in a pill, it would be the ADHD drug of the century. But I've, I've noticed there's a lot of people that I've coached that got diagnosed with ADHD and it's about two years after uh, they were injured or in an accident and can no longer exercise at a level they, uh, they used to. So with that, I think it's time to go to a break. Our secret word tonight is 102. Again, our secret word tonight is 102. And one of the things about ADHD is an executive function impairment. And anytime you can alleviate executive functions, in other words, make it easier to think, it's helpful. And one of our long-term advertisers, Time Timer, they have a clock that it shows a pie shape, and you can visualize time as a red pie begins to shrink. The thing about it is you don't have to cognitively do a lot of calculating. You can see the passage of time by the color pie shape kind of getting smaller. It can be a very helpful cognitive shortcut for people with ADHD, and we want to thank them for their support. So with that, we'll be right back after these messages. Your life, your world, your choice. This is Attention Talk Radio. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Transform lives as a professionally trained ADHD coach at the ADD Coach Academy. ADHD coaching is in demand, a calling, and a career. Learn how you can change lives by going to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Managing ADHD is about pausing before you ponder and proceed. This opportunity to practice pausing is being brought to you by gigcoaching.com. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. We are been working through a couple shows here on ADHD basics, sharing my thoughts, experience, and opinions in a relatively short format for those that are dipping their toe in ADHD waters and want to get kind of an overview of things before they kind of dive in. Before the break, um, was talking about understanding ADHD as an executive function impairment, one that needs uh, accommodations, not just um, behavioral changes. I've seen that much more effective than the behavioral type stuff. Um, what I want to do now is just talk about just, and this is going to be really sensitive because I want to just talk about my general thoughts on some areas that are particularly sensitive. Um, I know there's going to be some people that will argue with me, but I'm going to say, you know, this is, this is my experience based off of the knowledge that I've gained, promulgate and say this is absolute science or it's worth, but just what I've learned over the years in talking to experts and, and pulling things together. Getting good information on ADHD is a bit of a challenge, personal feeling why. There's what you need in the world of advertising, and there's what you want. As a general rule, it's well known that people buy what they want, not what they need. I actually kind of, over the years, have changed my philosophy on that. People buy what they want to work. You hear that? What they want to work. Not what they want, what they want to work. As an analogy, as you ever watch infomercials on Sunday morning, they give me $20, lose 20 pounds, $20, 20 pounds. I mean, they repeat that over and over and over. And the fine print is exercise and a good diet, but whatever they're doing, and by the way, this is just a metaphor. And people want 
just to pay $20 and lose 20 pounds. And they'll do it. And when it doesn't work, they'll buy it again. Why? Because that's what they want. So how does this relate to ADHD? Well, if you go out there on the Internet, people are selling you what you want, not necessarily what you need. There's a lot of fancy stuff out there that gets really confusing after a while. It's 2024. A year ago, I went to an AppSarg conference, which is a gathering of, of mental health professionals that focus on these types of things. And at that time, they said TikTok. Of all the information on there, I think they said like 62% of the information was misinformation. 27% was lived experience. So something south of that was loosely factual, and most of it was being disseminated not by experts. That's not to say there's bad information out there, but there's a lot of information that's misinformation because it sounds good or it sounds sexy or here's this trick that you can take care of in five easy ways, and it's really exciting. The thing about ADHD is it's, it's a mental health condition. It's impaired. I press upon people, if you don't take it seriously, you're going to struggle for a really long time, and don't be seduced by the uh, quick fixes type of a thing. It's a bit of a challenge for people with ADHD because thinking in more depth is a bit of a challenge, and so they resist it. They just kind of jump on some things, but it's there. The next area that I want to kind of talk about is this is not something people talk about, but there's information that's out there that you're always told to consult with your physician. And it really puts them in a bad position, in my opinion. You're told to go talk to them because they've been trained, but often you're looking for some information that just does not exist. And let me give you an example. If you've got ADHD and you're taking stimulants and you get pregnant, the question is, what is the impact on the fetus? Well, let's think about this appropriate to do studies on this type of a thing to put people in peril. Let's say the medications did create a problem and he did that. Well, that's not very humanly like. And so there's not really a lot of information on this, um, basically directed back to a resource that doesn't really know any more than you and I do. Now, granted, they have some clinical experience and they can have some conversation. And I don't want to minimize that. That's certainly helpful because you have to make the decision yourself. There's some people that have ADHD so bad, not being on medications is kind of a traumatic experience, so they might want to take the risk. But my point really is, is that sometimes you're looking for some information out there. We'd like it to be there. There's just not. And it can be maddening if you're looking for it. And so I'm hoping that that's there. At least I'm sharing that. Another area that falls within that realm is stimulants, medication. There's a lot of negativeness. Um, the, the media tends to demonize it out there, which is a problem. There's a lot of people who think so negatively of drugs that drugs, stimulant medications are a intervention of last resort. Basically, when you hit rock bottom and everything's completely fall apart, your self-esteem shot, then they'll prescribe it. But so much damage has been done along the way, it creates a problem. Or the, the media is very close to demonize it because a lot of times uh, Adderall is a, or is a, is a in, uh, performance-enhancing substance. So you'll hear about an athlete that got busted in the NFL or the, uh, 
I haven't heard in the NBA, but like I've heard race car drivers or baseball league people, and they demonize it, and they're very quick to say this is an ADHD drug and infer that it's an, a problem. ADH stimulants are a, a, a performance-enhancing drug, and they are abused. Alcohol is abused. Cocaine is abused. And nicotine is abused. Sometimes you can sit there. Caffeine is abused. All right? That's across the board. The question is, does it create a dependency, and is it addictive or not? Here's the problem with that. Who can tell you that it's not addictive, that doesn't have a conflict of interest? The pharmacy companies? Nobody's going to believe that. Doctors? Well, there might be a conflict of interest. Biddles can't really say. How about a coach? What do they know? They're just a coach or a therapist or a counselor. How do you really get this information? It makes it really, really difficult. You're supposed to go to this research, but where do you go? How do you find somebody that is credible that would know that information? I'm not going to answer that question here, but if you Google Attention Talk Radio, uh, Rostain, R-O-S-T-A-I-N, uh, you'll have an interview that I did with Anthony Rostain at the time. He was a psychiatrist at the University of Pennsylvania, Ivy League School, in their area. And I think he does a really pretty good job about spelling that the differences out. So I don't want to go into that realm. I was grateful. I think it was 2023 that I was able to do that interview. It was good then. It's good now. Another challenge of getting good information is um, – People, when they see one person with ADHD, they think it's all the same. But when you've seen one person with ADHD, you've seen one person with ADHD. I've coached uh, tax accountants before, FAA investigators that were incredibly good at paying attention to detail. There's a lot of people that say that sales is a really good field for people with ADHD. Yet I've talked to some people, they're so talkative, they talk themselves out of sales, and it's not necessarily good. I did an interview with Wilma Fellman many years ago. She was my go-to person for ADHD and, and um, getting a career. And one thing she says, if you go to a career counselor and they have a list of the top 50 ADHD job-friendly jobs, run, forest, run. Um, there's, you, you really, it's, it's, it's really a misnomer to sit there. There's, there's that because ADHD manifests differently in everybody else. It's all about the individual, not the diagnosis. And you're often steering people in the wrong direction tell you what let's go to break right now just so we have some time on this again our secret word tonight is 102 again big shout out to time timer if you struggle with time and you got adhd go to their website timetimer.com and look it up Um, you might find it helpful with that we'll be back after these messages you're listening to attention talk radio we'll return in a moment your life your world your choice This is Attention Talk Radio. Change your life by learning more about managing ADHD. Other places give you a few tips. The ADD Coach Academy will change your life. To find out more, go to addca.com slash ATR. That's addca.com slash ATR. Are you always late? The Time Timer is an award-winning time management solution that's helped millions of people with ADHD manage life better. As time passes, Time Timer's bright red disc disappears. Visit Timetimer.com and use the discount code ATR for 15% off. Could hiring an attention coach really help you move forward? (laughs) Does a child get wet when they dive into a swimming pool? You can get started moving forward today. Just call Dig Coaching Practice at 813-837-8084 and schedule a free consultation. 
Tell us you heard about us on Attention Talk Radio and get 50% off your discovery session. For more information, visit digcoaching.com. Don't delay, do it today. And now, back to Attention Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Been doing a couple shows here, a couple episodes, kind of going through some basic stuff that I've learned, information. I hope in the, well, I don't think that you're going to find a lot of this out there, but I'm just trying to be honest with people. So it got kind of a heads up on things. Um, I've been talking a little bit about um, um, what ADHD is and some of the areas why it's hard to get good information. Going to kind of pick up where we left off. We talked about earlier ADHD as an executive functioning impairment. And to go out there and get good information, as I said, people want what's work. Give me that tip. Give me that trick, right? What this tip, trick, or strategy is, I want tools. And as I describe to people, the way I look at this is, is that uh, the Pythagorean theorem is an equation that you use to solve uh, problems for right triangles. It's a great equation for those problems. It doesn't work. If you're looking at another problem, same thing goes with E equals MC square, or there's lots of formulas, lots of equations. Those are basically tips and tricks. There's a lot of great ones out there, but often you're using the right equation on the wrong problem. Problem solving. If you begin to understand the underlying impairments and you take a look at the situation variability and you understand the relevant variables, It's like those word problems that we hated in school. You read a bunch of stuff to identify the relevant variables. Then you take the relevant variables and you sequence them so you can solve the problem. Basically, you derive the equation. Well, a lot of times out there, I think it's really probably more helpful if you learn how to derive your equation. Of course, the fur on the back of your neck standing on end because that's overwhelming. But you know something, it's overwhelming to try app after app after app, trick after trick after trick, and not have it work. So while it's effortful, which is going to be more effortful. One example of this, so this is this is somewhat complex, but there's a thing called the Pomodoro technique out there to help you manage time. It can be helpful. I think time timer can be helpful uh, as a tool to use in the Pomodoro technique, but it can be very good if you're doing something that's very methodical methodical thinking that thinking is a process there's trial and error thinking and there's also what i call insightful thinking if you understand the 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 basics of what insightful thinking is that particular technique is actually the worst thing that you would want to do from an executive function perspective if the task at hand requires some insightful thinking and again this is just this is an example of people buying what they want not what uh, they need there's a lot of um information out there that imply that you just need to try harder you need to hunker down different ways to psych yourself up interviewed dr barkley years ago as he said willpower is a finite resource Um, it's not you can't live your life every day off of willpower it's just that's impractical i go back to um, trying to understand adhd and uh, apply the accommodations Um, you want to fit the outside world to fit your brain, not try to get your brain to fit the outside world. There's a lot of pushback on that. I realize that's a conversation for another time, but as a general rule, the, the, I have to do it this way. It's like, I have to be able to read without my glasses when they're impaired, or um, I have to be tall when I'm short. Um, I've got to be able to see color when I'm colorblind. 
um, these are all characteristics and traits, and I'm just using those to illustrate that you got to look past the I got to do it this way. Out there in the world of food and supplements, there's a lot of helpful information and a lot of misinformation. What you put in your body has a huge impact. There's no question that omega-3 um, supplements can help your diet. Um, the question really is, is if you're already getting enough in your diet, you're going to spend a lot of money. Um, it's not necessarily going to help. The bottom line is you need to know what you're doing. I will say this, that gluten sensitivity, I've been turned on to this like the last three or four years. It's huge. Um, there's a lot of people who have ADHD, and when they go gluten-free, particularly on emotional regulation, it's transformational for them. I mean, it's, it's substantial. Another area is supplements. Um, I'm not opposed to supplements. I think that there's if some supplements are good, a lot of supplements are even better. Um, supplements are not necessarily regulated. Most people don't really know what they're doing with the supplements. I interviewed a gentleman at one point in time that was a real professional at this, and they were advocating like $2,000 blood work type thing in order to get a makeup of your body to determine what supplements they were. I'm sharing that with you to go, yikes, that's pretty expensive and really, really complicated. Yeah, I think there's a little bit of a cavalier attitude about that. Um, I wish I had a simple answer for you, but at the end of the day, just buying into supplements or herbal treatments and dealing with things where you don't understand the dosage and stuff like that, you know, it can work. I'm not saying don't do it, but I just go in with your eyes wide open. There used to be an individual years ago, uh, Dr. Charles Parker is a friend of mine. Um, he was per pretty far ahead on things. A lot of people with ADHD, you'll go out to the experts. They'll say stimulants will work for people about 75 to 80% of the time. Uh, Dr. Parker, and I can't remember his name. He used to be in Alabama and retired. Um, the guy in Alabama could usually get meds right about 97% of the time. Dr. Parker would find a lot of mineral issues. There would be a lot of other tests, so he'd make some adjustments in diet because there were some things that were inhibiting the, the stimulants to get through the body to the brain where they need to. Um, so in that space, it's really easy to sit there and say, hey, this works, or there's an ADHD pillow that's going to help you with your sleep or a, a blanket. I'm not saying there's not a little bit there, but, you know, sometimes people with ADHD have some trouble. It's because they got a bad mattress. They just need to get a new mattress. So these other things are kind of a bit of a challenge, but this all falls under the realm of, of the challenges of getting good information. There's some science-based um, type stuff that you can get, which is good, I, but I don't want to denounce um, new stuff because science keeps proving itself wrong. There's some things out there that like emotions are supposed to be – we believe it to be a part of ADHD, yet it's not in the diagnostic criteria. Does that mean you rule out the people that are there? No, you don't. But at the same time, I've heard of like dolphin therapy for ADHD being a cure-all. I'm not so sure that works either. So it is a difficult to get this information. Uh, I'm advocate to go to Chad, DACO, ADA. They typically provide at least evidence-informed. There's evidence-based information and there's evidence in form but I mean, it's a way to kind of get your head around things a bit one last little thing that i want to do before we close this out and that is a, a, a bit thing on medications there's two kind of meds meds um, there's meds that you think of as stimulants or ADHD meds but there's also um, meds as in the acronym meditation exercise diet and sleep 
Those four things without a question are incredibly helpful for people with ADHD, but they're also incredibly difficult for people with ADHD. Each one of those require, they're each tedious, repetitive, and born, and requires self-regulation. So you'll go out and hear a lot about those and how good they are, and they are. I don't want to minimize that, but doing them is the trick. Um, as a coach, I work with people a lot with, in regard to this space um, and how to do that stuff. Stuff out there that's advocating medication, exercise, diet, or sleep is, is useful, but they don't talk to you a lot. It's about how do you actually do it. That's a frustration of mine, but I, I spent a lot of time on that myself. The one thing I will tell you is that of all of them, if we could put exercise in a pill, it would be the ADHD drug of the century. It helps. Um, you, you go exercise and you take your medications. It's about as good as it's going to get after that. Um, if you're exercising, it helps with sleep. For sometimes there's a meditative state, and sometimes it can write a lot of things that are wrong with your diet. So we're going to conclude uh, this um, this ADHD 101 for right now. Our secret word uh, tonight is uh, 102. Again, I hope this is somewhat helpful, just pausing and helping you think. So with that, we hope you've enjoyed this edition of Attention Talk Radio. Take care.